the explosive new film, Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost, exposes secrets behind the government's takedown of General Michael Flynn. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. He told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. They had to get rid of Flynn. Flynn, Deliver the Truth, Whatever the Cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to SalemNow.com. SalemNow.com. It's time for Rescuers, the show about people who change and save lives. Now, here's your host, Art Brooks. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another episode of the Rescuers radio show, heard worldwide, by the way. Uh, Heard every Thursday at 5.30 p.m. on Faith Talk 1360 and faithtalk1360.com. Please go to rescuersradioshow.org where you can uh, hear all of the shows on podcast, as this is a listener-supported show. Remember that as well. Um, we would gu- can't be guided on, on the air without you. So uh, the, the website has a place to walk you through that as well, if you're interested. So I'm very excited about my guest, uh, Julie Peterson. She's a co-director at the Sojourner Center, Rebuilding Lives and Ending Violence is your motive, or what's your after, anyway. Um, And we're going to talk all about that. But first, uh, I'd like for our audience to know who you are. So give us a little bit about uh, your background, and how did you get to this point in your life? Well, first, I want to say thank you so much for having me here. Um, Pleasure. I have actually been with Sojourner Center for 15 years. Um, really what led me to Sojourner Center was um, right after college and working with uh, my undergrad as an elementary education. And it was through that experience that I was able to work an internship with children who had experienced abuse. And it was really there that my um, passion for serving others and for helping this population was ignited. And that really led me to Sojourner Center. And I've been there for 15 years. Wow. And, and uh, you're you're a Phoenix I am, yes. Born and raised here in the valley. So <laughs> I did escape for a little bit to go to San Diego, enjoy some palm trees. For See, a most few people years. leave Phoenix to go to San Diego. <laughs> <laughs> I know, but I came back. <laughs> I came back. I came back. And yes. glad you did. Yes. So um, let's let's uh, start with this great effort of the Sojourner Center. Mm-hmm. Uh, start us from the beginning and, and mission. And where is it? And what's it about? Yeah, so Sojourner Center is one of the longest and largest domestic violence service providers in the United States. Wow. Yeah, Sojourner Center actually began in 1977 when our founders uh, began the organization actually supporting women who were transitioning out of prison. And what our founders learned in talking to those survivors was that many of them were actually incarcerated due to their domestic violence or for defending themselves. And really in hearing their stories and recognizing that this was an issue impacting the community, 
They changed the mission of Sojourner Center to be serving those who have been impacted by domestic violence, sexual assault, human trafficking. And we've been doing that for now 46 years. Wow. Mm-hmm. You haven't, personally. I, I have not, no. Just 15 for me, but <laughs> I, I follow great leaders that came before me. <laughs> so, um, uh, gosh, you have several phrases, uh, catchphrases that you use. Rebuild lives, end violence, and bringing safety home. Elaborate on those. Yeah, you know, I think sometimes... With domestic violence, it's really important we understand we can hear about domestic violence out in our community and we can see it in the news and we can just hear the brief incidents of violence that happens. But oftentimes what isn't followed up is the rebuilding part that can happen with domestic violence. And so at Sojourner Center, we really focus on helping those survivors um, transform their pain and give it into purpose and to rebuild their lives. Um, and really, when we talk about safety and home, um, for many of our survivors, those words have never gone together. Mm. And so we want to be able to create programming and offer um, residential programs that really allow survivors to feel safety at home again. So they're able to leave our programs and really have that as something that will be a part of their lives forever. I, w- I would assume a lot of work goes in before they can go back to home, what, what would mm-hmm. they would call home if they even want to go back, right? Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Yeah, I, for survivors, everyone's story is very different. Yeah. Um, many of our survivors, they, they leave their abusive situation and they have respite care for some time. But then they do return because they want to work on that family. They have children with their abuser or there's many other factors why they do return. Um, But there's also a lot of survivors who, when they do leave, they're able to get connected to resources and support systems where they do not have to return. Mm. And so we work with survivors all across the board, those who are in the relationship still and those who have left. Wow. So, um, you know, with your background, uh, you have a very strong experience in your background over 15 years. Mm -hmm. Uh, Share some some of the uh, disciplines needed for such a great effort uh, that have been rolled into your services. Yes. So at Sojourner Center, um, well, for me personally, you know, my background's in education. I have a master's in counseling with a specialization in trauma, abuse, and deprivation. And through my experience, um, as well as my education, it's really clear to us that when you serve a survivor who has experienced domestic violence, you have to come in it from a holistic standpoint. You can't just address the housing need. You really do need to address the social, emotional. For the children, you need to address the child care side. You need to address all of these different other specialties. And at Sojourner Center, we've always been committed to making sure any barriers to safety that are present, that we offer services so that survivor doesn't have to experience another hardship after leaving. So do they live with you? Do you, you care, how do you care for, uh, outside? Yeah. Um, That's a great question. So our services really do happen in a number of different ways. Mm -hmm. We have an emergency shelter, and that's a program where survivors are able to stay in a safe, confidential location um, for up to four months usually, although sometimes stays can be shorter, sometimes stays can be longer. We also offer a transitional housing program, which is up to two years, which really does give survivors that extra time they need to rebuild because 
you know, trying to rebuild your life in four months is almost near impossible. And yeah. so we really want to make sure our programs build upon each other. And then we have a number of also supportive services. So we have on site, we have a child care center, we have a new pet program, uh, we have numbers of community partners who come on site and provide medical care, um, food support, all of those critical needs. And then additionally, we have community-based programs. So we have advocates and case managers who are positioned in courts all across Maricopa County to support those survivors who are coming into court, maybe seeking an order of protection, um, as well as we have advocates out in the community who support survivors who are still living in their abusive situation or have just left, but they don't have a need for shelter. Yeah. So um, we'll we'll be talking uh, some of that over again in, in a little bit here. But um, the, as you pointed out, the Sojourner Center in Arizona is one of the longest and largest running domestic violence programs in the, in the country. Mm-hmm. What makes you so different from others? Well, I'm going to have a little bit of a biased opinion since I've been well, there for that, so long. That's expected. <laughs> um, you know, I do think... Arizona, we have very strong domestic violence service programs here. I'm very proud uh, personally as well as professionally to be a part of the network community here of domestic violence response teams. I think what makes Sojourner Center very different is really our barrier reduction programs. For us to be able to offer on-site licensed free child care it really does support survivors and not having to worry about that. For us to be able to offer our pet program, it really prevents survivors from having to leave their companion pets behind. Um, So I think that's really something that sets Sojourner Center apart beyond our size is our specialty programs to make sure that we're able to meet any needs that a survivor may have when they come in. A pet program. Yes. And and I noticed from from some of the information that we looked over with you, that's been around for how long? Um, Our pet services actually began in 2015. And you thought about it because they're being left behind? Well, you know, the way it actually came to be is Sojourner Center, we've asked for... My goodness, over a decade, when survivors come in, we've been asking them, do you have a pet in need of safety? And so often our survivors would say yes. And then our case management team would kind of scramble to figure (laughs) out, well, what do we do now? And so once we kind of caught on to the fact that this is a really, really uh, relevant thing that our survivors are facing, and many of us are pet owners. I know I'm a proud owner of a golden retriever and a pug, nice. and I would never leave them behind. Real people dogs. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> so once um, we looked at that, we said, you know what, we need to pivot and we need to change the footprint we have on campus to make sure that these animals also have a safe space. And that's really what launched our pet services. So um, you see people in the worst of circumstances. Um, Are you able to discuss here on this program uh, in some way how it is to care for those in the very vulnerable, worst of times? And are uh, are you and, and staff able to work through these times of greatest immediate need? It's got to be, you're on call. Yes. Sojourner is always on call. Yes. I guess is what I'm trying to say. Mm -hmm. And and you don't know what you're getting. Absolutely. Right? Absolutely. And every situation is drastically different than the next. Yeah. Um, I think something that has really supported us is that when our survivors are coming in, 
they may feel that they are at their weakest place, but in our eyes, they are at their strongest. Mm. And it takes immense wanting to well and when you leave an abusive situation it's often the most dangerous time in the relationship and oftentimes for survivors leaving it's not just a split second decision they've been thinking about this they've been planning for this and so when we see them and we're able to connect with them we are really there to remind them that they are courageous and they survived and they did this and Our focus is always strength-based because with domestic violence, um, especially some abusive tactics, it has the way of – it can rip away someone's soul. And they can really be leaving in a relationship feeling like I'm not enough. There's a phrase, Mm -hmm. ripped away their soul. Yeah. And so it's our job to help them to – to share with them that you do have strengths, you are capable, you are valuable. You're alive. You're alive, and you have a huge community out here of supporters that you don't even know about. Wow. And so that's what we do. I'm going to take just a mo- moment to uh, for our audience, uh, if you're late coming into this episode of the Rescuers Radio Show with, with guest Julie Peterson, co-director of the Sojourners, uh, Sojourner Center, um, your list of needed services is very impressive. Uh, please share some of those. What uh, You've talked about some of the services. Mm-hmm. Uh, others? Yeah. So when our survivors come in, they have access to some of those programs I talked Well, they have access yeah. to all the programs. Right. But I think one of the most instrumental things we do is we provide them case management. We, um, When survivors pair up with us, and no matter what program they're in, they're assigned a case management team. And those staff members are there to walk alongside them in their journey. They're going to work with them on safety planning. They're going to work with them on creating goals for self-sufficiency and just life after abuse. Um, The most important thing that we do, though, at Sojourner Center is we recognize that the survivor is the expert in her life Mm -hmm. or his life. Mm -hmm. And our focus is to really follow their lead. And so we're constantly checking in with our survivors to say, what are you feeling like you want to do right now? Yeah. What feels best for you and your children? What feels safest for you? And then we're going to do whatever we need to do to support them in empowering um, change for themselves. So if if I'm hearing correctly, they come in and they're immediately signed to a caseworker. So it's one-on-one. Mm-hmm. Absolutely. Wow. Absolutely. And we do offer um, support groups yeah. for as a community because sure. – Um, I think just through my experience and many people's experience in social services, when you can bring a group of survivors together who have had similar experiences, not the same, but similar, it can be extremely, extremely validating from a survivor's perspective to know I'm not alone in this. Mm -hmm. Others felt the same way as me in their relationships. Um, Because domestic violence can be so isolating, um, we really do find by having community support groups and our campus itself, um, our emergency shelter is a very community based living. Everybody kind of we all have meals in the same building. We all have the same common basketball courts and all of our doors face each other because we want to promote community as much as possible. Wow. How comforting that would be. Because in an instant, they have to turn, mm-hmm. right? So they're being brought into mm-hmm. an environment that they're—it's—they uh, don't know about, probably when they get get there. But you're 
you're going at 180 in their life right now. Yeah, I mean, we have children who go to school with one home, and then when they leave school that day, they come to shelter, and they have a different home. So when we think about just the the significance of that change, it is really important for us as a service provider to make sure we create as much home-like feelings as we can for our survivors and especially for the children. So I I would... I'm assuming that uh, you, uh, your sojourner, has to work very closely with law enforcement as well. Yeah, we do have partners with law enforcement. Um, we have uh, survivors who come to us through law enforcement, as well as we have, you know, task force where we're talking about domestic violence within our community and making sure that um, practices are put in place that protect survivors. So, you know, we're a number of years now past the pandemic. Mm-hmm. I can imagine that year of the pandemic, a lot, a lot of tough stuff was going on, mm-hmm. right? More cases than there were before. I would, I would, I would assume Absolutely. addictions and domestic violence were on the uptick during that time. You are a hundred percent correct. We across the nation saw over a 20% increase in domestic violence cases. Um, And when you're talking about addiction and mental health, those are often very co-occurring dynamics with domestic violence and abuse. And so what we really found was during the pandemic is we had a lot of families that were coming in who were battling multiple Mm -hmm. issues at the same time. Uh, The pandemic, I... We survived it. I never want to go through it again running a a program because it was it was unique. It challenged us. But the thing I think the pandemic also taught us was the importance of community. And when we saw community disrupted um, for so many reasons, for social distancing and so many things, what we also saw was how important it truly is. And for Sojourner Center, it reminded us, we actually changed our values during the pandemic, and we put community as one of our agency values because that is something we never want to lose sight of again. Absolutely. So your agency, uh, you witness, I mean, each case is very different. Mm-hmm. It can go to the most fearful, uh, violent mm-hmm to something in the middle and to something else. Mm-hmm. You're you're equipped for all of those things, it sounds like. Absolutely. You know, it's domestic violence, like I've shared, is very different. Yeah. But something that often really happens is for a lot of our families who are coming into our programs, domestic violence has been a generational cycle for them. Mm-hmm. And so they grew up in homes with domestic violence. And so sometimes the the acts of domestic violence have become so normalized that we really are working with them on kind of resetting a little bit yeah. of what's normal versus abnormal. Um, but yeah, we have- They've some, lost any definition of normal, probably. Absolutely. Absolutely. Or in many of their minds, this is normalized. Yeah. This is what I grew up with. This is how a relationship should be. And so we spend a lot of time- challenging some of that and saying, well, how did it feel to you? Did this Mm. feel right to you? Would you like to change this? And do you know how to change this? Mm. So um, the statistics, Mm -hmm. stunning. Uh, The uh, statistics show that 
Every five minutes in Arizona, there is a domestic violence call. Mm -hmm. Every five minutes in the whole state of Arizona. Um, nearly 50,000 police reports a year. Mm -hmm. this, this is, these are Arizona numbers. Yes. Um, your crisis line receives 1,039 uh, calls a year mm -hmm. and 865 requests for immediate shelter. Yes. Um, what's, and, and the impact as sojourners has to be, if you're on the ready, I can't even imagine the kind of training that you're, mm -hmm. you're the people inside that building at the center, mm -hmm. they've got to be equipped for all of this, right? Absolutely. And I, I think just to respond to those statistics, I think it's also very important to note that those are reported incidents. So often domestic violence is never reported to law enforcement. A survivor may never call a hotline. Um, so it's important to know that even when we hear those statistics, it's prevalent within our community, but it's often much bigger than that. Um, Continue down that road a little bit. Mm -hmm. uh, so these are the numbers for, for across the state that are reported. Mm -hmm. You're saying, there, could that be an equal number? You don't even know. I think it's unknown. I think there's many, many reasons why a survivor may never call the police. Um, out of fear. Out of fear. Um, many other reasons. Life-threatening, whatever. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, and so it's it's not uncommon that a lot of cases are not reported to the police. Mm. Domestic violence um, is really oftentimes a private, you know, it's in the home. It's not yeah. shared out so often. And so many of our survivors have been in these relationships for years and had never reached out to help for help until now. Wow. Mm -hmm. It just got that bad. Mm -hmm. So um, pets. Yes. You have a pet center. We talked about <laughs> it a little bit ago. We do. Um, so you take their pets in. Yes. And nourish them. and. <laughs> you know, it's our, our pet program. I will tell you how it started and what it is are two different things. When we started it, we kind of thought everyone's going to bring their companion pet with them, and it'll be... Just like how we serve children, it's just going to be a part of the family. Pets, uh, the pets observe what's going on too, right? Yes. So they, the, have, they have some issues. Absolutely. I will tell you, when we opened the program in 2015, our very first dog was a... I don't Saint, mean to laugh. But no, no. Well, I will tell you, the first dog we ever served was a St. Bernard. And so <laughs> <laughs> we learned very quickly, like, hold on a second. We got we to gotta pivot some things here. Um, but what we really learned with our dogs is that oftentimes they were a part of the abuse. Mm. Either they were protecting the survivor or um, they had increased aggression because of what they had witnessed in the home. And so we work with incredible partners. We work with Tempe um, Lost Our Home Pet Rescue, where we have an animal behaviorist nice. who comes on site to work with these dogs to make sure that their behavior, um, as well as their enrichment activities, are all set for them. So that way, when the family does leave our program they're all able to be leaving feeling healed in whatever way we can. Yeah. My gosh. Um, we still have a couple of minutes uh, to go here. Your motto is overcoming the impact of domestic violence one life at a time. Mm -hmm. 
That's all you can do, right? Absolutely. You can't gather them, the whole issue together and do something. You, it's one yep. at a time. Well, and success looks yeah. different for everybody. You know, I always tell survivor or tell um, other people, they say, give me a success story sometimes. Yeah. And I share with them about a time a survivor came to me and she said, Julie, I want to let you know that I want to return to my husband. Mm. And I said, okay, you know, I respect your decision. Can we safety plan? And she was returning with her children. And so as a family, we sat down and we said, if something unsafe were to happen, mom, this is the sa- this is her code word that she's going to say. And when mom says this word, that means you boys go to the neighbor and get help. And that family came back into shelter about a couple months later or so, and they had used the safety plan, and they were able to. Wow. And so really, to me, in my mind, and to Sojourner, the first success was she came to us, and she felt safe to say, I feel like I want to go back. And so to us, that's still a success. And so we have some survivors who they come in and they say, my next step is I'm moving into permanent housing all on my own. That is just as much of a success as what she went through as well. Wow. Amazing things. Mm -hmm. And Sojourner is is right at the front end of that. And you have all of the, I'm I'm really impressed about about the one-on-one. Yes. That's, That's really incredible. Uh, if we have listeners right now that would like to uh, contact you, how do they do that? They're welcome to check us on our website. Our website is SojournerCenter.org. Um, we are always looking for community support as well as donations, in-kind items, volunteering. And for any survivors who are needing support, they're welcome to call our crisis line. That number is 602-244-0089. And you can also see on our website ways to get support there. Julie Peterson, you and Sojourners are rescuers, and thank you for being on the, our guest on the Rescuers Radio Show today. Thank you for having us. Rescuers, Thursdays at 5.30 Arizona time on Faith Talk 1360 KPXQ AM. Three-star general Michael J. Flynn, head of the Pentagon Intelligence Agency, knew all the government's dirty secrets. He was one of the most respected generals in the military. Flynn knew what the intel world had been up to. He understood its funding. He ordered the first audit of the use of contractors. This set off alarm bells. The explosive new documentary, Flynn, deliver the truth, whatever the cost, and covers the facts behind this scandal. Flynn told the truth. He was the most dangerous person for Donald Trump to hire. I find out the worst enemy that I'm going to face in my life is right here in America. They took my assessment and they wanted me to change it. I was like, I'm not changing it. They had to get rid of Flynn. With in-depth interviews, archival footage, and never-before-seen personal records of the man behind the headlines. I just felt like I was drowning. Flynn. Deliver the truth, whatever the cost. Available now. Watch it today. Go to salemnow.com. salemnow.com.